Chapter 16 of The Cliff Dwellers This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Cliff Dwellers by Henry Blake Fuller Chapter 16 Cornelia McNabb became Mrs. Barton Brenard during the first week in August. Neither of the pair was inclined to wait and neither had such a circle of friends as to make a midsummer wedding less preferable than a later one the wedding took place in church as cornelia had intimated to ogden she was not disposed to let false delicacy clog the heels of success and she had her way they were married in the daytime as a partial concession to the social inexperience of one father and the social indifference of the other the young men of the bank were drawn on freely often served as an usher as cornelia had requested adrian valentine supported bert at the chancel trail and gave some friendly counsel as to details at both church and house cornelia's circle of girl friends yielded nothing suitable in the way of bridesmaid but there was the groom's sister and one maiden attendant was enough Avy therefore took this part for the first time. She walked up the long aisle with a bashful modesty. She had a dozen opportunities to meet Ogden's eye, but her embarrassed shyness prevented her from once looking into his face. Mary Brenard was still in exile, and her mother was confined to her room by one of her nervous attacks, but in one of the back pews in the twilight under the gallery a dark meagre and dissolute-looking young man had taken his post and as bert with a proud and prosperous smile led cornelia down the aisle tears of indignant rage started from the eyes of his band and mistreated brother the prenard marriage was celebrated in print just as the prenard divorce had been some of the cuts that had illustrated the one were also used to illustrate the other mr and mrs burton prenard went to california and were absent a month on their return they took up their quarters in the prenard house while bert considered the question of building cornelia had made up her own mind where this building should be done they returned to town in accordance with the mandate conveyed by certain cards that had been sent out directed by the serviceable abbey during their absence these cards announced that mr and mrs burton tillinghurst brenard would be at home on the thursdays in september cornelia had gloated over these cards on their arrival from the stationers mrs burton tillinghurst brenard she read with a vigorous hitch of her shoulder hmm now we are ready to knock out your smiths and your johnses she tossed her head and then bring on your floyds and your englesses before going away she had wrung ogden's hand and had committed her parents to him during the concluding days of their stay especially was he enjoined to take them up to the top of the clifton on the very first clear day a clear day came he conducted them up to the roof observatory and showed them the city and they numbered the towers thereof the old people tiptoed gingerly around the parapet while ogden waved his hand over the prospect the mouth of the river with its elevators and its sprawling miles of railway track the weakish blue of the lake with the coming and going of schooners and propellers 
and the cribs that stood on the faint horizon. That's where our water comes from, George explained. The tower of the water works itself and the dull and distant green of Lincoln Park, the towering bulk of other great skyscrapers and the creamy spindling of a thousand surrounding chimneys, the lumber-laden bricks that were tugged slowly through the drawbridges while long strings of tray and buggies and streetcars accumulated during the wait. My, don't they look little? cried Mrs. McNabb. George smiled with all the gratified vanity of a native, and that, he said, pointing southward down the street, is the board of trade. Where we was the other day, the old man reminded his wife, and the gilt tank on the top of it is a ship, I swan. And wasn't they noisy, though? Well, now, Josephine, ain't it handsome? A simple soul found to admire the tower of the board of trade. Let it be put on record. George and McNabb had caught on very well. The old countryman had felt rather frostbitten on seeing George in full social regalia, but seeming to find him more human and approachable in a simple business suit. He had thawed out again. Mrs. McNabb had taken to him kindly from the start. Most women did, though he appeared never to have observed it. She joined with her husband in wreathing him in an atmosphere of simple friendliness. The other father concerned in the festivities had also thawed towards George, though it would be a mistake to attribute simplicity to any friendliness shown by the head of the underground. At one stage of the proceeding, Erastus M. Bernard had laid his hand on Ogden's shoulder, and the young man had asked himself with distressful circumception what it meant. It might have been to his advantage if he had found an answer. George's engagement to Jessie Bradley was now an accomplished fact. The nail was driven. Only a formal announcement was required to clinch it. He had preferred to withhold this until his affair with McDowell were more accurately adjusted. Freeze and freeze had put on a pretty positive pressure, and an arrangement had been contrived that had some of the externals, at least, of an adjustment. McDowell's affairs had not been taking a very favourable turn. Some of his ventures had been too rank for even gullibility itself, and his hope of relations with Engels was not completely at an end. Engels, in fact, had signified to him that an accounting for of the sent easy funds was desired by himself and the other contributing members of the former committee, that a remittance in accordance therewith was looked for, and that his resignation of the financial guidance of the corps would receive prompt consideration. This communication might have been made by Ingalls personally, or it might have been sent by his office boy, or it might even, as a physical possibility, have been pushed in under the crack of the door between them. As a matter of fact, it came through the mail. So formal a transmission of so formidable a communication was conclusive. McDowell felt at once that all possibility of personal relations between himself and Ingalls was at an end. That door in the wall between them was as good as bricked up. Kitty came around late one afternoon to see her mother. Do you 
you know, George, she said to her brother, that Eugene is going to give up our pew at St. Asif's? Can you imagine why? He had heard and read a good deal in his lifetime about the fine penetration of feminine intuition. He wondered why feminine intuition always failed when it came up for application to business matters. The pretty, high-held, female heads that would droop in shame if they could come to learn the how and wherefore of their own costly bed kings poor innocent kitty sitting there and twirling in unsuspecting surprise the sparkling novelties that encircled her fingers and never caring or thinking about the means by which they had come to be there the principal instruments in MacDowell's settlement with the Ogden estate were certain promissory notes and certain warranty deeds. Warranty. After quit claims had been refused and Ogden found himself in possession of his brother-in-law's signature on several bits of paper, which he hoped might realize their full value when the time came, and also of two or three largish tracts of suburban property in which the general public interest seemed rather diminishing than increasing mcdowell saved the best here just as he had managed to secure the best of his father-in-law's estate for his wife in the original division fair according to appraised values his knowledge of tendencies of growth had put into his wife's third almost everything that was likely to show a quick increase in price george took his notes and his lands and the task of turning them into money and he left to kitty an unimpaired trust and confidence in her own husband the matter of a house shared his thoughts along with the mcdowell business on october wedding a week for a trip and then the beginning of housekeeping on the first of november in a home of their own you want to see mrs cass floyd had told him she faked us up when we first came out here who is she a clever little woman who makes a sort of speciality of north side houses she has got desk room somewhere upstairs sixteenth or seventeenth she married badly her husband doesn't do anything she began by renting friends houses to other friends and has kept on until she has worked up quite a business in such a big town as this has got to be you need to go to a specialist for almost everything you might take in the whole lot of those big house renting agencies and never get satisfied the office of the massachusetts brass company was as much a social exchange as ever jessie frequently came down with mrs floyd and anne and claudia and george would sometimes step up to see her for a few minutes during his noonings mrs floyd looked upon the meetings indulgently enough but anne seemed to hold against ogden a deeply seated grudge she had been considerably embarrassed in the matter of her special assessments and she had as much feeling against george as against mcdowell himself her efforts to fortify and to recoup herself had led her into other fields of business and she was now spending a good part of every forenoon in the neighbourhood of the board of trade thus far she had not been so successful as to lessen the grudge the particular institution in which anne was interested bore some external resemblance to its great prototype across the street it was smaller and if possible uglier but it too had its quadrangular arcade its big square skylight its ladies gallery in this gallery 
and sat daily for several hours along with other women of a like turn of mind and kept an eye on the proceedings generally after a few sessions she became accustomed to the mere externals of the place the endless shuffle of feet on the creamy floor the sharp mops of raw and eager voices the flinching afloat of excited arms the little tangles of noise and passion that were instantly woven around every newcomer with an offer to buy or to sell she looked over this choppy sea across to the promised land that was being portrayed on the opposite blackboard the artist paced to and fro on long high narrow platform and worked in the uncertainty of a single droplight he frequently changed his mind and his alterations usually had a deep and sometimes a discouraging effect upon anne and her associates every now and then one would retire into the hallway and consult with her agent and then there would be the rustle of greenbacks and the agent would take the elevator down and presently be seen among the crowd of men on the floor the agent was likely to be a gallant fellow only too happy to be of service to a lady anne was now a member of floyd's household in good and regular standing she felt herself very much at home what was her brother-in-law's was her sister's and what was her sister's was hers she was usually the first to unfold the morning paper she preempted the bathroom with little regard to walworth's established habits and if the idea of some trifling delicacy occurred to her she would order it from the grocery and after it had appeared on walworth's table it appeared again in his bill she did not stand on ceremony she waived all stiff formality cosily and frankly she was quite one of the family as such she used walworth's office quite freely and in the same capacity she joined in the conferences which the floyds were now beginning to hold with atwater up under his great skylight in the roof atwater's little house for claudia had given great satisfaction and he was now about to do a larger one for claudia's parents who had begun to look upon their banishment to the west as a perpetual fact claudia's house had been delivered with its stairs its windows its red chimney and its chandeliers which last were composed by a pushing young draughtsman who was as anxious to make interest with atwater as atwater had perhaps been to make interest with floyd atwater was accustomed to people who didn't know their own minds to people who knew their own mind too well to people who had too many minds to really have any mind at all and to people who had so much money that they didn't need to have any mind he was impeccably soft and unruffled but he had the immense advantage of being able to impress the unduly brusque and capricious and exasperating among his clients with the fact that they were dealing with a gentleman and an artist he also put a good deal of presence into the rendering and collecting of his accounts there was no more disputing his charges than his taste he took equally with his urban imperturbability the anxious scarpings of mrs floyd 
side and the easy joking of her husband and he quietly ignored and walworth thanked him for his sister-in-law's interest in the new house was becoming oppressively personal as for claudia he always saw that she had out of his sample cabinet all the bits of tilling and scraps of marketeer that she needed and if she fancied a promenade among the ports and trestles of his drawing-room her whim was gratified ogden and jessie who sometimes came too he welcomed pleasantly the guests of the present were the clients of the future ogden admired his beautiful manners and his whitened hair one day he amusedly recalled jessie's determination to make her husband's hair like it he looked at atwater who was explaining his preliminary sketches to the floyds and was trying to fix the general bearings of hall stairway and closets his hair looked whiter still under the diffused glare from the skylight george turned to jessie with his hand on his own head so smooth and shining brown this is the hair you are to whiten he said and he left it his eyebrow in a smile i never saw such a boy she murmured in a repressed ecstasy do you remember everything i have said no one was looking and she placed her own hand on his other temple wouldn't powder do he asked lightly only for girls couldn't it be bleached not and get that color must i suffer then with his hand still on his brow i'm afraid that's the only way she lowered his hand in her own and gave it a tender pressure on its descent must it be lingering or something sharp and sudden she pressed his hand again and looked affectionately into his eyes both perhaps will it be fear or anxiety or shame wait and see atwater rolled up his sketches and threw them into a drawer then he went to his cabinet and took out a few small strips and squares of encaustic tiling in yellow and grey and now i wonder if our little colleen wouldn't like to take some of these home to play with he turned courteously to mrs floyd while his hand reached out for a sheet of brown paper they are not too heavy too heavy she asked cautiously nor too easily broken the child opened wide her brown eyes in one of her sober little ecstasies oh please mamma oh let me have them do ogden turned to jessie mutely asking her to share his appreciation of this but she did not seem especially amused he remembered then that to himself he had frequently called her treatment of claudia uneven sometimes the child entertained her sometimes she annoyed her jessie seemed to regard her and he felt now and then that she so regarded children generally as a doll to be played with until weariness came and then to be carelessly thrust away oh let her have em said anne with an air of authority very good of you i'm sure said floyd to atwater not at all i am sampled to death there my child he gave her a neat little package i'm sure they'll understand you when you get to paris End of chapter 16